someone, I guess, one of the reporters asked him, are you a mole? <laughs> what? He goes, are you a mole? I asked him point blank. <laughs> what? And then he joked about having a mole on his bald head. Jesus. The conversation veered off course. <laughs> Welcome back, Poison Pals, to our part two of dissecting the Elizabeth Holmes story. And um, I don't know if since you've listened to part one, if you haven't, go do that. If we're all now following the trial and the verdict, I think there's been new stuff in the literal last couple of days. Um, But I'm going to leave that in Harini's hands to talk about because this is a her story it's her part two and i'm excited to hear the tail end of how theranos implodes <laughs> yes and that's yeah. great because you're trailing off her plane analogy that was extremely cringy from last time <laughs> yeah we're gonna fix um, the plane as it lands guys such an God. interesting concept i'm like but you know my monkey brain thinks <laughs> like when i heard that saying i'm literally Envisioning, envisioning like a cartoon of like a plane and people just like rapidly moving around the exterior right? as it's flying and like hammering it. <laughs> um, and they're Superman yeah. capes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I believe we had some things from part one that we needed mm-hmm. to correct. Absolutely. Um, after re-listening to our episode in the post-production phase, we yeah. noticed some things that were messed messed up so uh harina you want to uh, yes take it away from let there? me okay. let me tell you what my dumbass brain remembered incorrectly so uh <laughs> in the first part of the series i keep correcting megan and myself <laughs> to say that tyler schultz's name is actually tim schultz but that is incorrect his name is tyler schultz so i fully apologize for saying tim in the first part that was not a pseudonym i was just saying it wrong <laughs> so okay, my bad cool, cool. Um, cool, cool, cool. but also <laughs> and megan it's totally cool if you didn't do further research on this at all but mm. your request you had two requests you wanted mm-hmm. to know more about elizabeth holmes family right and a little more about george schultz who is tim schultz grandfather who was a very heavy hitting investor in theranos Yes, I would like to say one moment. Mm. You did it again. Oh, <laughs> you wait, said Tim Schultz. He did. It's totally okay. We just call Tim him Tish Money. <laughs> Tish Money is his name. Tish okay. <laughs> Damn it! It's wow. okay. It's totally fine. Tyla, Tyla, the creator. <laughs> now I remember. Tyla, the whistleblower. Um, Dude, Tyla, the whistleblower. will never forget your name. I'm so sorry, but that's not bad. All right. Uh, so in regards to what you were saying, um, I did do a little bit of research okay. on her family background, but um, mm. as my theory was proved correctly, that there's really not a lot on her parents. Mm. Um, it just kind of is like in anywhere you search where they do come up, it's a very brief overview of their, you know, job backgrounds and their employment mm-hmm. backgrounds. But um, kind of like I said at the end of the last episode, like just because they're in certain positions 
for example, the whole like him being vice president and Ron or whatever, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Elizabeth Holmes is coming from a family that's always been embroiled in fraud or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just like, um, you know, taking too far of a leap. But maybe like as we go further, as you, you know, tell your story, I can like look into things a little further and hopefully give more information about them Mm -hmm. at some point as we talk. Yeah. Well, I actually did some digging. So I actually didn't do too much. I'll I'll be transparent now. I wasn't able to dig too much into Tyler Schultz's grandfather, George (laughs) Schultz. Uh, But I was able to really dig somewhat deeply into Elizabeth Holmes' family. So including like her uncle and her brother. There's like some ties there. So I'll go into that actually first. And then we'll jump into like where we continued from last time. And just a reminder, people, if you just like spun the wheel on our podcast and just landed on this one to listen to and you're like, what's going on? As Megan said, this is a part two of a two part series on Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. So if you haven't listened to part one, just jump back one episode prior. All right. Mm. Let's get into it. So. So in her family tree, we've got. Christian Rasmus Holmes the fourth that is the father mm. and then okay. he is married to Noelle Holmes and mm-hmm. you might have seen this but the mother Noelle Holmes she was a congressional staffer and prior to mm-hmm. that she was a policy aide although it is unclear okay. which politicians she worked with mm. so I like that's I think what you want wanted to get at is who was she maybe tied to politically Right. I saw, I did see somewhere as um, like an additional specificity there that she mm. did work in, um, you said policy, but also like defense, the defense yes. side of that's whatever. So mm-hmm. that's also something. Okay. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And her father, as Megan said, was the vice president for Enron for a number of years before working for several governmental agencies, like you said, which is the U.S. Agency for International Development. And actually he has a I, I just want to read it because I think it provides, provides a more holistic review of him as a person by going mm. into like his resume a little bit. So I'm going to mm. read briefly from an article that is from Heavy. And it okay. is by, I'm trying to see if there's, um there isn't a byline. Oh, by C.C. Strand. Okay. Mm. So he says, his professional career in a nutshell. So he served as senior vice president, program development at the Global Environment and Technology Foundation. And this is after he leaves Enron. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll discuss it a little bit later, but he was at Enron when all the scandals were happening. And he Mm. basically was forced to leave because of the scandal, right? Not because Mm. like he was maybe a part of it. He may or may not have been, but just because it got shut down, right? So he had to like look for work elsewhere. Right. Uh, as a aside to that, this mm-hmm. is my contribution to that sure. conversation. Is a uh, dude. I even went to freaking. Okay, this is so horrible for our credibility. <laughs> I, I like went. There was a question on Quora, freaking Quora about yeah. this, What's and Quora someone replied. Yeah, someone replied like, "Oh, I understand like why you have suspicions about him working at Enron or whatever, but one like vice president doesn't necessarily mean super high up, you mm, know, like yeah. Enron was a huge huge company sure. with hundreds of people and like larger positions that probably led to the decisions of its downfall and its, mm. you know, fraud scandal. Um 
but VP could is like someone who is underneath director. You know, it's just like yeah. a title. We don't really know what that means. Right. But um, this person was also like, you know, I have many colleagues who used to work for Enron because that was like the biggest company mm-hmm. to work for in your 20s and 30s when you it, when you lived in Texas at that time. You know, if you right. were able to get in that company, that was like a huge thing. It was like the mm-hmm. Google back in the day. You know what I mean? And she was just like, a lot of people worked there but had no involvement truly. So it's like, you know, you yeah. can't assume anything. So that's that's my no totally and actually, repeating myself but whatever <laughs> no no I, you're totally right and mm-hmm. when i read this i was like they're it's kind of sketchy that they just say senior vp and don't provide like senior vp of what you know right so right. they're purposely keeping it vague so yeah can't can't like yeah. really yeah. bring much to the table with that but right anyways so after that he actually which i thought was interesting he served as chief financial officer and and third ranking executive at the u.s environmental protection agency otherwise mm. known as the epa and this is after Epa, coming from enron Epa. right so it's interesting. <laughs> yeah i know yeah and he maybe he maybe he always had a passion for like you know energy or he like could. um yeah environmental uh sustainability or something but who knows i don't know right right <laughs> I mean, they do say here he served as vice president of Teneco Energy and vice president of Enron. Again, they don't say what vice president. If he was like the right. VP, that's also possible. But I don't have right, a lot of information right. on that. But right. he was responsible for due diligence and potential investments in the environmental and energy sectors. And he worked prior to that at Rice University. I think, as you said, he's a passion for renewable energy and sustainability because he worked mm-hmm, supporting mm-hmm. research on methane hydrates, climate change, energy, air quality, and water treatment. Uh, mm-hmm. He was also VP for strategic conversa- conservation initiatives at the World Wildlife Fund, concentrating mm-hmm. on conservation and conflict. The list just goes on, to be honest. Like He continuously is serving on boards or as the head of some of these governmental agencies related to... Mm climate either climate change or renewable energy and so on and so forth right right and he actually even received he served as second lieutenant civil affairs u.s army reserve receiving Mm -hmm. the u.s army soldiers medal for heroism wow yeah that's that's cool yeah (laughs) yeah so that's kind of i mean like yeah it's interesting Yeah. yeah yeah so i mean and i kind of got this i mean how much can you really glean from a podcast i suppose but from the podcast Mm. i kind of got the sense that he her father was a little more maybe they literally use the term waspy he's a little bit waspy but he's kind of like Mm. an upstanding man maybe like an ethical Mm. person because he tells elizabeth when she's very young um that first semester of college saying hey i'm going to drop out of stanford he tells her like it's okay if you want to like make a lot of money, but that's not what's going to bring you happiness. And he uses his lineage as an example. He's like, my grandfather, or like your grandfather and my great grandfather, they were filthy rich. They had so much money mm. that they didn't even know what to do with it, but it did not bring them happiness. What's going to really bring you happiness is purpose. What your lineage is, is to change the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let money be your driving factor. For me, personally, I was like, okay, like, that's a very, like, for someone who comes from a lot of generational wealth, that's very, like, a level-headed thing to be teaching your daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, make of it what you will. Okay. Elizabeth Holmes also has a little brother, Christian Holmes V, Mm -hmm. who actually worked at Theranos, which I didn't know this. So Mm. he went to Duke for college, and then he recruited friends from Duke to work at Theranos with him. 
In the book Bad Blood, the author Carrie Rue cites that Christian and his friends became known as the frat pack of Theranos. When he Mm. first arrived, Christian didn't have much to do, so he spent part of his days reading about sports, and he hid it by cutting and pasting articles from the ESPN ESPN website and putting it into empty emails, so that from afar, it looked like he was absorbed in work-related correspondence, which Mm. I'm like, that's kind of (laughs) smart. But not good (laughs) in another article discussing Holmes's family history it talks about an interview with a man named Don Lucas who was one of the first Mm. investors to back Theranos Mm. Lucas says in this 2009 interview that he thought his conversation with Holmes would be short she was this 19 year old with no real experience or background in the field and he felt it was a little presumptuous on her end to think she'd Mm. be a CEO of this biotech company Mm. But Don said he quickly changes his tune when he learns that her great-grandfather was a highly successful entrepreneur and the hospital near his home is named after her great-uncle. She came Mm. from this really impressive background of entrepreneurs and he's thinking, you know, maybe it runs in the family. So just, I think that kind of lends to your point, Megan, of just Mm. her background gets her foot in the door, you know? Right, Just hearing her of what her elders or what her, you know, family accomplished and achieved has no bearing on what she could accomplish and achieve, but that's enough for her to get into the doors of these investors and really high-ranking officials. Mm. But to go in a little more depth to her family tree, let's go to Washington, D.C., which is where actually Elizabeth was born in 1984. Mm. So as I said... Elizabeth's mom, Noelle, worked as a foreign policy and defense aide, as you said, on Capitol Hill. After Enron's demise, Christian allegedly asked for help from a family friend mm. named Joseph. I don't know how to say his last name. It's F-U-I-S-Z. Fuis? Um, I've been Fuis. pronouncing it Fuis. And I, Fuis. is this the Forbes article? I don't Do know. You know? It's, I think it was from a, a refinery article. But there's like, okay, makes a match of similar stuff and different articles. <laughs> right, right, right. But yes, I've seen the name. It's Fuiz. Fuiz. Okay. So Joseph yeah. Fuiz's father is who Christian okay. asked for help from. So the Holmes family, after the whole Enron scandal, they're basically like wiped out financially for mm-hmm. a time being. So they actually stayed at uh, Joseph Fuiz's father's home. And they, mm. they lived there for some time. Years later, Elizabeth Holmes would sue Richard Tweez, the same man, mm-hmm. over a patent dispute, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And as Megan, you guessed that, it was a friend of Elizabeth's father who introduced her to Don Lucas in the first place. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Don Lucas references Elizabeth's great uncle, right, about the hospital mm-hmm. and this and that. So that's actually Elizabeth's great-great-grandfather. He was this famous surgeon whom Cincinnati General Hospital is named after this guy marries the heiress of the Fleischmann yeast empire cementing Mm -hmm. an already powerful position and wealth and status for the Holmes family so Mm. this is a history that Elizabeth allegedly references a lot in order to establish Mm. credibility to compensate for the lack of hard science so she'll kind Mm. of like talk about her lineage in these investor meetings and use that to reel people in if she's getting these hard questions so some mm-hmm. say that Elizabeth's lofty notions and entitlement to creating this life-changing company may come from her dad. So this is where like some people say he's a little bit, you know, like a little bit entitled and takes a lot of pride mm. in their family line- lineage and mm. always stresses this importance of we have to do great things, um, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. why they pushed Elizabeth to learn Mandarin at a young age so they can really right. establish right. their presence in the world. Right. Things like right. that. Yeah. 
And I don't see anything. I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't. Like, yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm like. Okay. Uh, especially given the context of living in D.C. I know it's hyper competitive and like. Yeah. Yeah. I so I feel very like I feel like that's normal. Like you know it doesn't. Yeah. I don't think it uh, seems like a negative thing. But it does give good like idea as to how she was able to accelerate at such a young age. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of her background into her family tree. So now we'll cut back to where we left off. So we'll cut to John, a man named John Carreyrou, who maybe Mm -hmm. a lot of people know him. He is the journalist at the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. Uh, He kind of broke Mm -hmm. the story. I believe he Mm -hmm. he wrote Bad Blood, right? Yes. Keep me honest. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. He's the one that wrote that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so cut to him. This is like in the moments where he just is finding out about Theranos as a company. He's mm. barely sitting down at his desk one morning when his phone rings. Picks up the phone is this guy named Adam Clapper. John is pleased to hear from him because he's in need of a new story and he always gets something juicy from his physician slash blogger slash consultant friend, Adam Clapper. Mm. Adam says he's in luck. He just might be the gift that keeps on giving. So he asks mm. John if he's heard of Elizabeth Holmes and her company called Theranos. Mm. John Kerry was like, yeah, yeah, I've heard of her. Like, what about it? So Adam presses mm. him further. Well, don't you think that there's something off there? John thinks it over. And ultimately, he agrees. He starts, like, listing mm. some things off. He's like, yeah, I see there's no peer-reviewed data. She took chemical engineering for a few semesters, but claims she's the next Edison. Yeah, it's mm. a little weird. So Adam wholeheartedly agrees. So I wrote about my concerns on my blog. And guess what? Mm. A group of people reached out to me. Mm. So John, of course, wants to know who, but Adam is firm that he needs to protect his sources. But some of these people might be willing to talk. And what they have to say could be big. But John can kind of sense from Adam's voice more than his words that this is huge. Like this potentially has a huge impact. And so he Mm -hmm. asks Adam to send those people his way. Adam agrees, but he really stresses to John to be delicate with the situation because he tells him, like, these people are scared. Like, I can see it Mm. in their voices. I can see it when they write to me. They're terrified. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, it's now 2015, and Holmes, she's on every cover of every magazine, which I didn't even remember, to be honest. I don't know if, Megan, you remembered real time, all this coming out? No. So, actually, I don't. I think of our buddy Drew. I think Mm. Drew was in the know because I remember he had mentioned, he had mentioned, like, the first time I ever learned about her was through Drew. Okay. Um, And I feel like that does make sense given, like, Drew's interest in, I don't know, the public health sciences, you know. But, I yeah, I don't recall, honestly, ever seeing a Time magazine. I you know, they talk about like how widespread her image was like across all media publications. And in my head, I'm like, man, maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But to be fair, we were probably early in college. Yeah. Like, what does that have to do with anything? (laughs) Well, I know that uh, for me, okay, this is just me talking about myself. But when I entered college, I didn't look at the news Mm. for a long time. And I think Mm -hmm. I said that on a very early episode of ours, but I think it was because I was just so focused on my microcosm of what college was that I like didn't even look at, you know, back in the day the Yahoo news (laughs) main page, you know, I didn't pay attention and maybe uh, uh, that's irresponsible, but that's just me speaking for myself. No, correct. I mean, 
all the magazine covers on the screen. I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. like, I don't remember any of this. And here's the thing, like, I am the same. Like, I don't think in early college I was really reaching out to type in the news and see what's going on on a day-to-day basis. Right. But, right. you know, like, sometimes you'll see here and there, like, oh, who's on the Times magazine cover this year? Right, that right. type of thing. I don't even remember that, you know? So right. when I'm seeing all of this, I'm like, dude, there's so much press about this woman. I had no idea. And I, it wasn't like I was super young. So yeah. it, it's just interesting to look back on that yeah. and uh, what kind of slips through your purview and what doesn't. Absolutely. I know thinking about it, I'm like, if I think about um, quote unquote infamous Times Magazine covers or whatever, I think about like, how everyone was in uproar about the woman breastfeeding her child and he's like standing on a chair and she's standing and he's just like suckling at her teeth <laughs> like God. do you remember that like that came through to my news feed somehow and people were talking about that i was like okay <laughs> like in, honestly in 2015 i was just trying to buy rihanna tickets like that's all Hell, i was thinking about yeah. nothing else that's nothing so of true. import <sighs> anyways yeah. to be love young. her <laughs> but uh, you know it's all to say like she was an icon in the the tech industry and even beyond that as you know mm-hmm. clearly like a lot of people knew about her who, who weren't even like in the biz type of thing right 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 barack obama even appoints her as global ambassador for entrepreneurship she's forbes right. youngest ever self-made billionaire mm-hmm. but in the midst of all of this there are no blood testing devices still weren't working and right. the person who's going to expose all those lies is john carreyrou of the wall street journal Mm. Okay, so jump ahead to 2016, and Kariru is working his sources and gathering evidence, but it's hard. Not everyone wants to talk. In fact, most are afraid to go on record about what's happened at Theranos because mm. she's known to, you know, go after you. Yeah, well, yeah. She's not going to sit quiet. Yeah, that's one thing that I felt has been so consistent um, with her story is that, and and it's easy to, like, see this as a commentary on her character but just the intensity of wanting to protect the brand and herself and Mm. I get that because like it is all the stakes are on you like I get that but I also feel like it's to me it's a contradiction like if I think about the documentary how all the employees when they first start they're like she was so inspiring and she made Mm -hmm. us feel like energized and then it's like um, there's that side of things, but then she's also really quick to essentially threaten you. Is that mm-hmm. her right in some ways before we, you know, before they ever knew that fraud was actually happening mm-hmm. or whatever? Mm-hmm. I'm like, that seems like more of a determination of who someone really is deep down. But I'm asking myself this, like, is that something I should judge? If I was in yeah. her position, is it my my right to be like, you know what? I love my employee, but they're going to fuck my shit up. So I'm going to like sue them. You know what I mean? I don't know. I I always try to like be very balanced about these things. And I I appreciate that. I think in my perspective, it's an extreme act to sue somebody, you know? Yeah. It's one thing to, you know, sit them down and talk to them or even reach out to them if they're a former employee at this point and be like, hey, uh, is there a different way that we can go about this? I personally feel like she is just like an intense person like she in in the good ways and the bad like she can really intensely inspire you and be inspiring right at the same time right but if but she's the kind of person is like if you're not on her bandwagon you're her enemy you know yeah yeah Um, yeah. and that's difficult that's a very difficult person to be around because when it's good it's really good but when it's bad right you 
get the hell out of the you way. You feel it. Yeah. 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 You feel it. For me, I'm like, I'd love to learn more about the nature of NDAs. Mm. Because yeah. on like paper, I'm like, an NDA that's like solid. You have to respect it. That's why you sign it. There's yeah. legal, obvious legal recourse if you don't respect that. But like right. in this particular story, it almost sounds like it wasn't so firm that they could clearly, that's, you know, call no. fraud. So I don't know how yeah. those work. I really don't know. No, that's a yeah. great point because I had the same thought as I was going through this research. I'm like, I'm sure if she's like this, you know, having so much security, not secure, but she's like this secure about her information right. and her, her IP. I'm sure she like made everyone sign NDAs at least at yeah. the beginning. So I don't know how people worked around it to eventually disclose. But I do imagine there are some protections under right. the government for whistleblowers. So I don't yeah. I don't okay. really know enough about it, but I'm sure there's something right. like that. Yeah, because I'm like, whoever the Kardashians <laughs> are using to wrap up their NDAs, those are... They pretty firm. You gotta hire it's just that Chris lawyer. Je- no, I'm just gonna, yeah, it's whoever just whoever's herself. doing that. Yeah, yeah. They just scribble in <laughs> lipstick on a paper napkin. Do not speak. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and With Lars a hundred dollar like, bill okay. next to it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, she's okay. doing well. <laughs> anyway, she- moving forward. Okay. Yeah. So most of his sources were not ideal, even if they were willing to talk to him. It's not ideal because some of them were wrapped up in legal battles with Theranos, so they could only say so much, or it was just a little bit messy. But finally, he gets a source from the very top who was hesitant to speak on the record at first, but eventually agrees to speak under a pseudonym of Alan Beam. So Alan Beam, I mean, now it's past the point, so you could search his real name, but Alan Beam was the lab director at Theranos, and he was a key whistleblower to the Theranos scandal. So Alan describes how the Theranos device called Edison doesn't work at all. It constantly produced an error message or inaccurate results, so much so that they had to run all tests on outsourced devices, as we talked about last episode, on the Siemens devices. But the thing was, those devices couldn't analyze anything from a single drop of blood. That's not how they were designed, right? So they did a workaround. Sorry, sorry. No, no, go ahead. So how, this is one thing that I wasn't, clear on when i watched the documentary so how do the siemens devices work what are they capable of so they will analyze the blood and to my understanding you can program them to Mm -hmm. analyze and test and detect for certain diseases okay so kind of what you know theranos was promising but they're just promising it on a like a much larger scale correct like a lot more yes the key difference here is the tech that Theranos was promising was, first of all, this device, like the whole machinery that, this, like, for example, the Siemens machinery, it would be portable. So you would be able to eventually take it out with you into the field, like for military and defense um, issues or for emergency events and things like that. Or, you know, just like even at home, it could be like an at home device. And it only required a small amount of sample. So that one blood drop which the Siemens device cannot do that. It requires a bigger sample size. And I guess in addition to that, it would be able to test automatically for, as uh, we said last episode, around 192 different uh, disease states or detections, which is just like, I don't even understand how that, like I wouldn't even know how to like start to make something like that. Like it's 
if it was a real thing, that's phenomenal. So like I said, the Siemens devices couldn't analyze anything from a single drop. Like it would literally get an error because it's just not enough. So what they would do is they would dilute each blood vial with distilled water and then run the samples. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like, okay, you got your one blood drop and then the rest is just water. So this made the results wildly inaccurate and unreliable. So if you think of one drop of blood, that's Mm -hmm. akin to a sample size of N equals one. So it's profoundly Mm. difficult to be in that 95% confidence interval ballpark with a sample size of just one. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, like, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't trust a sample size of just one to tell me if I have cancer or not, you know, like, that's just not totally, I'm not going to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just like with any clinical study, you need that robust sample size, i.e. in this case, a good amount of blood to be more accurate with what you're testing for. Mm -hmm. So I think even from the get go, I guess people in the medical field were looking at this with skeptical eyes. They're like, yes, it would be amazing to only just do Mm -hmm. one drop of blood. But there's a reason why it hasn't been done yet. Like it's it's going to be really difficult to get an accurate result every single time. And that too, for Mm. all these different disease states, it's very difficult. So Alan goes on to say that he tried to relay this to Holmes and urged her to at least postpone the launch of Theranos devices at Walgreens. But this fell on deaf ears. He also Mm -hmm. tried to plead with Sonny Balwani, but in Alan's words, he was a bully and became threatening when he tried to talk to him about stuff like that. In the midst of all this, Alan had a feeling that he needed to cover his own ass at some point, so he started forwarding key emails to his personal email. Mm. So Carrie Root is excited about this. He's like, yes, like this could be really good and crucial information that I can add to my article and really expose them for what they are. So he's right. anxiously waiting for Alan's phone call about these forwarded emails. When Alan does call him, it's not good news. Alan tells Carrie that he was forced to delete all those emails as part of his legal battle with Theranos. Mm. His heart just sinks. Carrie's heart just sinks. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be the hook, line, and sinker of Theranos, and now it's just gone. Mm-hmm. But Alan thinks for a moment, and he tells Carrie, you know, I don't have any more pieces of heart evidence, but I think I know someone who might. You should talk to Tyler, mm. the creator, Schultz. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so Tyler left the company. And, and so we talked about Tyler, okay. but right. I called him Tim in the last episode. So yeah, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Tyler, first episode, I was talking yeah. about how he was at the company and he was raising concerns. And that was maybe right. like six months into him working there. Right. So since then, I think and now I'm saying it's 2015. Yeah. Since then, mm-hmm. Tyler has left the company and it was on bad terms. So okay. he could be a promising lead for Carew. Mm. All right. So it's now spring 2015. Tyler Schultz is holding a prepaid phone in his hand, which he's about to use to call Carew and go on record about everything he knows about Theranos. Mm. He's terrified. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Go. I am intrigued. Like, OK, I totally get why he's using a prepaid phone i get that yeah but i'm like do they really have that much power to like like i get that her board members are people that worked in high governmental positions but i don't i don't know like would they use their ties like i just feel like it just goes into such a deep state potential conspiracy you know what i'm saying yeah but i Mm -hmm. part of me is like i'm like tyler you probably could have used your own phone i think (laughs) I don't know how deeply, unless there's like 
for sure PIs who are after him and looking at cell phone records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I I'm, I was not in his position. Like, I get it. Use your prepaid phone. <laughs> he just wanted to seem like a spy. But I know. No, but I think there's you kind of actually reminded me of another point because you were asking last episode, uh, like, she must have some like governmental ties or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So we talked mm-hmm. about how she was able to sue these people and even get the FBI involved, which is terrifying. Like if you're, th- right, if you're like right. a former employee, like, Oh my God, like the FBI is involved in this case. Like I was just trying to leave, right. you know? Right. Yeah. So that's terrifying. Like but- I'm just trying to walk out the door, fool. <laughs> totally. And it's like, bro, pick your battles, Holmes. But also in addition to that, I think it was in regards to the Walgreens deal that I talked about last episode, mm. mm-hmm. but oh my God, it just, oh yeah, yeah, okay. So I think it was, ooh, I'm forgetting that guy's name, Hunter. So Hunter was the mm. consultant who was sent by Walgreens to kind of vet mm-hmm. this whole deal, right? And he goes right, right. in and he's like, there is no freaking laugh. They're, they're lying about all kinds of stuff, right? Right. So right. do not do this deal. So then in his next meeting with the Walgreens executives, Basically, they have a meeting with Theranos, of course, with Elizabeth Holmes herself. And she basically is having this meeting to update them on like the mm-hmm. status of Theranos in terms of like their FDA regulation, because this was mm-hmm. ultimately, ultimately something they want to get FDA approved. And right. in the f- meeting, I don't know the exact terminology, but Holmes basically says, oh, we got this FDA exemption. So we're now filing our Theranos under this FDA regulation. And mm. whatever that particular regulation was really alarmed Hunter because that mm. particular regulation allows less oversight to get FDA approved. Mm. And mm. he knew that very well as someone who is a clinical expert, probably mm. has gotten a lot of, or seen a lot of FDA approvals go through in their whole application. So he's like, mm-hmm. this is really scary because I don't know how she got this because for, for something of her stature of device, it would need heavy, heavy regulation and oversight. Right. So somehow right. she got to talking to somebody and got this deal made and this deal made so that she could get right. less oversight. So there's right. just like some, there is something there. She has some ties there, probably through her parents, right. but what it exactly right. is, we don't really know. Okay. So Tyler calls Karu and they begin to talk. Karu asks Tyler if he's willing to go on record about what he knows. But he has like this panic moment. Like Tyler's scared. He's like, no. Like, I, I can't do it. He's like, I have a good life. I just left uh, Theranos after eight months of being there. I was able to get this new job. I really love it. And I don't want to upend my life and have Elizabeth sue me. Right. Carrie is disappointed, but he understands. But he tells Tyler, he's like, if we want to make an impact, then eventually I'll need to have something on the record. So Tyler thinks it over. He's like, okay, is there any kind of halfway point? Is there another way that we could do this? Then he remembers... Mm-hmm. The paper trail he created when Tyler was still working at Theranos, as we talked about, he sent this email to Holmes stating his concerns about the technology with good foresight. Mm -hmm. Tyler printed that email. He also printed the company's response to that email. Mm. He tucked those pages into his coat as he left for work that day. And he also has the email response from the New York State Department of Health stating that this particular lab is cheating and is engaging in fraud. So he has those three pieces of hard evidence. Okay, so later that spring in 2015, Kara meets with a member of the public who actually used Theranos' device from Walgreens. Her name mm. is Maureen Luntz. 
So mm. Glunts was having ringing in her ear, so she used a Theranos device at her local Walgreens to see what's up. Her mm-hmm. test came back positive for elevated liver enzymes and glucose, among many other items. Mm. So she takes mm. it to her primary care doctor, and after seeing these supposedly accurate lab results, the PCP was worried. She was like, I think you have, I think you're suffering from a stroke. And oh my god, yeah, that terrifies her. Obviously, it terrifies both yeah. the doctor and Glunz. So Glunz immediately yeah. goes to the ER, and she's sitting there for hours and hours waiting to be seen. She's finally seen. She gets a CT scan, gets an MRI. They do blood tests again. Mm. Everything is normal. Not nothing. Mm. She's in f- a full bill of health, right? Obviously, like Glunz explains that you know thought I was okay, but I had to mm. go and suffer through this ordeal. And then right. um, she also says. The insurance was difficult. I have a high deductible plan. So she was on the hook for $3,000, all because of an incorrect test result. Right. And it wasn't just like a big financial inconvenience, which it was. It was also this Mm. emotional roller coaster of hearing the scary news that you're having a stroke. And then, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. no, you don't have a stroke, you know? Right. All because of this inaccurate test result. Right. You know, it may not seem like a huge deal. This was just one person. But think about it in a bigger scale. Like, what if you multiply it by the scale that Holmes wants to achieve nationwide, Mm -hmm. worldwide? It becomes a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Carew looks at this. He's gathered a lot of evidence at this point. He's ready to publish. But Holmes is smart. Or she's well-connected. Because she's fully Mm -hmm. aware of this scathing article set to be published. So she quickly Mm. puts together an op-ed of her own to be published in the very same Wall Street Journal which right. touts that the Theranos device officially is recognized to test for herpes. And what's key mm. here is that the article makes it seem like Theranos is an ally of governmental government regulators. Mm. It's more like <laughs> it's more like government regulators are an ally of Theranos. That's but it's alright. Yeah, poison pals, I hear you groaning as you're listening in your car. <laughs> <laughs> But okay. yeah, so Carrier's reading this op-ed and he's just disgusted, like looking at this article. In his mind, he's like, we got to publish this tomorrow. You know, come on, like, yeah, let's yeah. go, let's go. Like, let's get it to the press. Let's do it. Hot so, off the press. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> keep going, keep going. No, I'm done. I All right, had fine, nothing fine. else to say there. <laughs> okay, so he, so he goes to his editor-in-chief. He shows in the op-ed. He makes his argument. We got to publish this week at the minimum. His editor, unfortunately, does not share his enthusiasm. He tells Carew, mm. look, we're not there yet. We can only strike mm. once. We have this one shot at this. So it's crucial that we it's take true. the time to make sure we have all yeah. the pieces of the puzzle before we release the fury. Totally. Taking notes from a uh, <laughs> wonderful movie. Uh, what? <laughs> Fuck. What is that's one of my favorite movies. Uh, post? T- taking notes from Spotlight, for sure. Mm, I need to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I still gotta watch it. Dude, you would, you would love it. But yeah, that's what yeah. it makes me think of. I'm okay. like, this guy's right. You gotta hit them hit them real hard, but you gotta be right about it. It's you true. You gotta be smart. Exactly. You gotta be yeah. smart, because you don't want any mm. holes for them to poke at. Mm-mm. Okay, so Carrie was frustrated, but he concedes. <laughs> he does tell his editor, okay, fine. I get it. We will wait. But we absolutely mm-hmm. must publish before October 21st. So obviously his editor's like, what's mm-hmm. October 21st? And that's when Holmes has set the Wall Street Journal technology 
oh, conference. Right. So right, like, right. if we publish after that, the Wall Street Journal is going to want yeah. to kill the article. So we have to do it right, before right. then. Yeah. Tarnishes Wall Street Journal's credibility. Absolutely. To even have her as the guest speaker at mm-hmm. this big conference. Yeah. Absolutely. Which, I mean, they still did have her as the guest oh, they speaker did. at the conference. Oh, yeah, yeah. shoot. Pretty I didn't sure. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Like, sh- okay, anyway, continue, continue. And then I can give my, like, okay. and sounds there. Yeah. So this editor's mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, I can concede to that. That's well over two months away. We can do that. Okay. Mm. So not long after Carrie's meeting, Elizabeth Holmes is making her way downtown through Midtown, New York City, <laughs> to get to the News Corp <laughs> office. And... Mm. The News Corp office is a.k.a. the most powerful media conglomerate in America and also happens to be the parent company of the Wall Street Journal. Why is she going there? Wait, sorry, Royco. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm getting there. <laughs> Why is she going there? She has a meeting with News Corp leader Rupert Murdoch, a.k.a. Logan Roy. Mm. Mm-hmm. My succession, folks. Mm-hmm. Y'all know what's up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we just hope that Roman Roy isn't lurking in the corner over there. In that meeting. I know. Love him. <laughs> Love him. So Anyways. <laughs> so she's meeting with Rupert Murdoch. Holmes mm-hmm. met the media mogul back in 2014 at a gala and made quite the impression on him. So much so that he invested $125 million into Theranos. Right. That makes right. him the company's largest investor mm. in Theranos. So... Home's right. thought process here is that Murdoch may be able to pull the plug on the Wall Street Journal article that Carrie Rue is writing, since technically, if that article comes out, it would hurt Murdoch as well, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the same time, it's a bit of a risk going to him and asking him to cut an article out of his own company, right? It's kind of right. like telling him what to do in a way. And if he's anything right. like Logan Roy, Logan Roy's going to tell you to fuck off. Yeah, he is. Just with those words, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, my this is funny. My brother, because around the time succession ended, I think it was like early December, like kind of around my birthday. And so yeah. uh, my brother sent me this thing. Are you familiar with Cameo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like there's this thing on Cameo where you can have Logan Roy send you something for your birthday where he just tells you to fuck off. <laughs> That's and you, dope. My brother's like, I'm the fact get that Brian Cox, thing. yeah, the fact that Ryan Cox is on Cameo, or if it's just like someone put it together, it's just it like a fake that. video of like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's pretty dope. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, I want that's it. That's hilarious. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's a risk, but Holmes was willing to take that risk because if that article came out, Theranos was finished, and she knew that. Mm-hmm. Right. So she goes there, she greets Murdoch in very Holmes fashion, she gets straight to the point. John Carew mm. at the Wall Street Journal is about to publish an article based on former disgruntled employees. He has a notebook mm. full of lies, but given his reputation, mm. he could do serious damage to Theranos if the story is published. So Murdoch mm. is listening. He listens intently. He's nodding. He understands. Mm. And he recalls mm. how he had his own stint with reporters a while back. He was dragged through the mud, mm. but he survived, and Holmes will too. Mm. So Holmes panics. She's like... <laughs> No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> that that's so that is uh, man, that is like good TV right there. Oh, like totally. that is classic, like, you know, I went through this and you just gotta take the bull by the horn sort yep. of mentality. Like that's how you grow, that's how you dominate that as Logan Roy says, that's how you become a killer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> gotta and make also, something of if yourself. I think about it, I know. So what, he invested one tw- 125 million, mm. right? 
Yeah, that is nothing. That's to drop him. in the bucket. <laughs> drop in the yeah. I mean, okay, maybe I should be a little more fair. That people that are that wealthy, money is money. One twenty five yes, is true. a significant thing. Probably mentally, he's probably not happy about that. Yeah, but at the same time, like he does have that leisure to be like, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, that is true. You know? I, that's a good point. I I feel like a lot of people mm. take digs at very very wealthy people, but there's a reason they're wealthy. Right. They're good with their money right. yeah you know? uh yeah. like yeah, just yeah. even like 30 40 bucks like on a, something stupid they're gonna think about it twice you know so yeah anyways yeah. but yeah, you're yeah. right if yeah. push comes to shove if he loses that 125 mil he's gonna still sleep right. like a baby that night oh yeah yeah <laughs> okay so she's like <laughs> oh shit that's not where i wanted that to go so she panics a bit <laughs> poor, and repeats her concerns <laughs> Yeah. she's like wait hold on you don't understand <laughs> okay she repeats herself repeats her concerns and yeah. then she adds with emphasis the story has to be killed and mm. Murdoch just shakes her head or shakes his head sorry yeah yeah he says yeah, yeah, yeah. he trusts <laughs> he says he trusts his employees to do their job he's not going to intervene mm. and then he just pats her on the back and was like it's all gonna be fine just have faith which is very like hippy oh dippy of him. <laughs> I know, I know. So she's just he doesn't like, give a fuck. <laughs> she just picks up herself, pulls up her pants, and yeah. walks out. And is like we're fucking done. <laughs> there goes my company. Yeah. So panic really starts to set in now. Theranos not only silenced their employees, now Holmes just went to the head of the Wall Street Journal to prevent an article from being published very criminal activities that she's doing now. All of their secrets are about to become public knowledge. A week later, Carew and his, you want to say something? Say something. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I'm good. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So a week later, Carew and his chief editor are about to step into a meeting with Theranos' legal team. Hmm. The whole point of the meeting is the lawyers are clear. We're not telling you not to publish the article. We're just saying to postpone it. So Carrie right. was like, all right, how long are we talking here? Right. And mm. they say long enough until we can do a demo that proves our tech works. So probably a few weeks. Right. So Carrie right. thinks it over and he's thinking about that October 21st date, that Wall Street Journal tech mm. conference. It's just two weeks away. So he's thinking mm-hmm. there's no way that they can say yes to this. Luckily, mm. his editor in chief shakes his head immediately. He's like, no, can do. We can postpone by a few days as long as Elizabeth Holmes is willing to sit down with us for an interview. Otherwise, we're going to publish mm. tomorrow. Yeah. So they're playing hardball, as they should. Yeah. Literally just look at them. They're silent. They pack up their stuff, and they leave. That's it. Mm. And in that moment, Karu realizes Theranos has no tricks up their sleeve. That was their last Hail Mary, and it failed. That mm. was it. Mm. So mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal comes out. It's massacre for Theranos. Hmm. obviously Holmes is devastated she's like this is gonna ruin morale like to our core and I have to she eventually Hmm. has to go and like talk to her employees so she does she's like walking over to the cafeteria talk to everybody she's terrified but when she looks Hmm. at everybody in the cafeteria they're looking back at her they're not mad Mm -hmm. they're terrified too and she kind of realizes in that moment they need her like they need this job so 
it's up to her to really rally everyone together and continue the vision despite what this article says that's that's what she's thinking in her mind yeah yeah so this is her last chance to convince her employees to stay with her and continue continue the vision despite what's being said somehow they are all cheering her on and they're eager to besmirch john carew's name holmes is of course invigorated by this and Mm. continues to want to see her vision through the thing is that's just her own microcosm that she's living in because this doesn't Mm -hmm. in the reality that's not going to last very long and it doesn't so november 2016 walgreens sues theranos to return their 140 million investment in mm. June 2018, the Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, charged Holmes and Sonny Balwani with an elaborate years-long fraud. Theranos mm. dissolved later that year. And then most recently, it brings us to today, September 8th, 2021, was the first federal criminal trial. Her and Sonny mm. Balwani were both charged with wire fraud, amongst other things. Before we like jump into the trial, as part of my research into her background, in the same article where it was talking about her grandfather and her parents and so on and so forth, this mm-hmm. guy does his digging and he looks into Elizabeth's uncle. So mm. for people who are familiar with the story and who particularly have seen the the, the documentary, but for those who haven't, mm-hmm. there's a very famous TED Talk, and she's talked about this outside of the TED Talk as well, I'm sure many, yeah. many of investor pitches. She starts her TED Talk speech about her uncle. And she usually starts with this anecdote telling people how close she was with her uncle, that she has such fond memories of spending time with him in the summers, and how Mm -hmm. only they knew a few months earlier that he had this horrible disease. Maybe they could have done something. So he dies Mm -hmm. of melanoma. And she talks about Mm -hmm. how this melanoma turned into brain cancer, and then it became bone Mm -hmm. cancer. It was just like all happened too fast, too soon. And it's just like gushing of how our healthcare system is broken, so on and so forth. Okay. Right. And she talks about this a lot. Like she says this whole speech quite often. And you can, right. if you're interested, you can see it in this TED talk. Anyways, right. that is all to say this particular journalist was like, I want to know if this is real, you know? Mm-hmm. So he finds about finds out about this particular uncle. This particular uncle's name is Ron Dietz. And he is the husband of Noelle's sister, a.k.a. Holmes's mom. So sister's Got it. husband. Mm-hmm. He gets mm-hmm. confirmation that Holmes barely knew her uncle or even spent time mm. with him. And mm. that's all fine. Like, okay, whatever. Sometimes we embellish here and there. But he actually mm-hmm. spoke to members of her family. And this is a quote. Mm. They say, to family members who knew the reality of their relationship, using his death to promote her company felt phony and exploitive. Mm. So I just want to add that Interesting. part before I jump into the trial. No, uh, thank you for adding that because... In the inventor doc, I think mm. that's the one that I saw, they allude to that, but they oh. never explicitly say anything. Like, there's a whole, like, quick clip of her telling that same mm-hmm. story about her having summers with her uncle and then, you know, him right. developing cancer and then he's gone. And they do this stylized little screen grab or clip or whatever of, like, her telling that story and then multiple little almost like Brady Bunch images Mm -hmm, of her mm -hmm. pop up retelling that same exact thing at different conferences, different pitches. So like there's a clear implication stylistically that they're like, she's just telling the same story to pitch her product, her company, her brand. Um, And I was hoping that they would, after they show that clip, they talk about Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. Oh, we actually did the research. Turns out like the uncle wasn't even close, but they don't do that at all, Mm -hmm. which I think was 
uh, missed opportunity for that documentary. So thank you yeah. for sharing that here. Yeah. yeah. I was curious about that. Me too. And I think, <clears throat> I think that's a really interesting point about the documentary. Like they really, it's interesting what they f- choose to focus on. Right. And what they don't focus on, which I think is really key to her story. Um, and also why mm-hmm. people think she is guilty or is guilty now with the trial. But anyways. Right. Uh, Okay, so getting into the trial, this is our last bit, as it is the most recent and current of events. Hmm. All right, so her outcome of the trial is as follows. Holmes was found guilty on four charges of defrauding investors. She was not found Mm -hmm. guilty on three additional charges concerning defrauding patients and one charge of conspiracy to defraud patients. The jury returned no verdict on three of the charges concerning defrauding investors and the judge, Edward mm. Davila, who is presiding over the case, is declare is expected to declare a mistrial on those charges. Right. Before right. we continue, this is just my personal opinion. I was really surprised that they didn't convict her on the charges related to defraud patients. Because I'm like, they're the most innocent yeah. in all of this, you know? In my eyes, right. you know? Right. They, they had no financial investment or any ulterior motives in this they are just trying to access better care as they were promised through her company and a lot of them were led astray and sometimes it was financial repercussions or serious health repercussions right um right that that, that was an interesting choice on the jury again like i wasn't there so i don't know how it was presented to them but i just thought that was interesting right yeah, I I actually thought it was interesting too that she was acquitted on those charges. But I, reading what I've read, like I know that they've had a what? Okay, I might be. I'm like it's either three hundred witnesses or thirty witnesses. Oh. They basically had a shit ton of witnesses. Okay. Yeah, and part of me is like, based on that sheer amount of witness statements. Mm. Um, and then her own statement, there was something in an NPR article about how, like, it seemed, and, like, again, we'll never know. The jury will never know. They're just doing their best mm. guess, right? Mm-hmm. Their best guess. But it seemed that she genuinely didn't have an intention to cause harm mm-hmm. to customers. Sure. Like, it just seemed a lot more... Uh, evident in her testimony and what everyone else is saying is that like she definitely knew she had you know full knowledge of what she was doing in terms of defrauding investors um, investors or whoever right and so like I could kind of I could get that as you said like we weren't there Mm -hmm. but part of me is like I I on this in this regard I like I have faith in the jury like they deliberated for 50 hours over what Again, I'm getting these numbers wrong. I know it was 50 hours yeah, yeah. over multiple days, mm-hmm. which is a long ass time. So part of me is like, I think I can I can see Elizabeth being, I'm going to say it, genuine mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of really wanting the best for her customer yeah. and maybe really not having that intention. But it's like, is it, you know, ultimately she does cause harm by negligence. So it's just one of those yeah. things. And, and so I don't know. I did think that, that was interesting right? as well. Right. Like, right. You, I, I totally agree. I think it was one of those scenarios where yeah. she probably was guilty in that in that sense of like, right. she right. was causing harm to patients and she probably knew this wasn't the best technology, but she wanted right. to, she was wanted to see this vision so badly. That was never like her intention to yeah. ultimately harm, like really believe that this tech could exist. And that was kind right. of at the forefront rather than, am I doing my due diligence to my investors? Am I like, Right, being right. Forthcoming about the technology, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah. But, you yeah. know, it's tricky. Know, it's tricky. Yeah, it's, you can't prove those types of things, you know, right. it's not hard evidence. Right. It, it all comes down to intention, which is always going to be hard to prove. Mm-hmm. And it does. I feel like she, at least how she's been presented, she is consistent in this concept of like, I want to make this part of healthcare accessible. So intention wise, that doesn't seem like some somebody who's actively causing harm. Correct. I can definitely see her on the investor side being like, I'm willingly intentionally fra- defrauding them because I want this product so badly to succeed, you know, or um, what you said basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't see her as someone in a dark corner, like putting her no, fingers no. together being like, yes, no, not at my all. product will be great. And my patients will suffer. You know what I mean? Absolutely so not. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a negligence, negligence thing. So yeah. And yeah, we can talk about this afterwards too, but I personally think that she, it's like one of those things where you start believing your lives, you know, like I think right, at some exactly. point she probably understood like, oh, this is not, this might not work or this is not going to work. But right. then she keeps telling right. herself like, no, like it's going to be the best. Like you're going to be the best CEO, right. best biotech CEO in the world. You're going to become a billionaire. You're going to change the world. This is going to work. Like she just starts believing yeah. these lies and gets deluded by her own vision, you know? And yeah. she, I think she genuinely believes yeah. that this tech is amazing and that it's going to save people. So in right. that scenario, like if you're living in her mind, she is not trying to harm patients at all, right? She, she right. thinks she's generally right. changing the world. And so it's really difficult right. to, to charge someone on those counts when they're thinking in those kinds right. of terms. Exactly. I think that she was just in a perpetual state of like, trial and error mode but it goes back to the airplane being built oh as it's like God. crashing it's like you know? perfect but it's like analogy. this is all trial and error and we're yeah we we're gonna put our product out and if it, it doesn't error we'll just keep going and I mean, hopefully it'll be better next time totally totally yeah just recall after recall <laughs> but what's anyway. wrong with that uh yeah so i know right just to give you some I guess, facts and figures about the jury and the trial mm-hmm. itself. So the jury consist- consisted of eight men and four women, and they were the ones that determined all the counts. Uh, and as I said, mm-hmm. none of the counts were pertained to defrauding patients. And this was over the course of an 11-week case, and I think it extended through Christmas or right. amid Christmas. So good on them. Right. And the government called just yeah. three patient witnesses to the stand and two of whom were individually tied to wire fraud counts. And as Megan said, mm. they deliberated for over 50 hours before returning to a verdict on mm. eight of the 11 charges. So they produced more than 30 witnesses <coughs> to testify during the trial. Mm. Um, and okay. So it wasn't 300. No. Because I was like, that would be absurd. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> 30, 30 witnesses is still a lot. That's a lot. That's a whole classroom. That is. That is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so more than 30 witnesses witnesses testified during the trial and it ended with Holmes who took the stand for 7 days in her own defense, which I think is really interesting. Mm. I would like to see that. Mm. In Holmes's case, this I thought this was really important. So Holmes's case marked a rare criminal fraud trial of a Silicon Silicon Valley entrepreneur and the jurors were tasked mm. with determining whether Holmes was a well-meaning founder who made mistakes as she built her startup as her defense right. suggested or whether she intentionally right. deceived investors and patients in order to help herself and her company succeed as federal prosecutors alleged. Right. 
when it comes down right. to it at the end this margaret o'mara she's a historian of the tech industry and professor at the university of washington she states quote this is a verdict that should matter not just to silicon valley but to the people who celebrate it invest in it and use its products she was made possible mm. by a valley business culture that celebrated and encouraged very young marginally experienced people and i think that hits the nail mm. on the head like in a, in a way right. the people who invested in her and believed in her were kind of culpable in a way like they invested mm. in her without mm. doing the due process and diligence to really vet her mm. and her ideas they were dazzled yeah. by her yeah. and her you know family lineage etc cetera, etc cetera. list goes mm-hmm. on and just fed mm-hmm. into her pipe dream so it's right, it's right. not just one person to be at blame here George Demos, a former Securities and Exchange Commission prosecutor and adjunct law professor at the UC Davis School of Law, called the verdict a significant win for the government and sends a powerful signal to Silicon Valley that fraud cannot masquerade as innovation. Totally, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cutting to the chase a little bit. What's really interesting is that Holmes, Holmes testified on her own behalf. The jurors also came up mm. with their own star system rating to judge the credibility of a witness. Mm. So one being the lowest mm. and four being the highest. They rated Holmes mm. a two, which was the lowest score of all the witnesses during the trial. Mm. And just to be fair and balanced here, most of the witnesses were credible, but some weren't, such as former lab worker mm. Erica Chung, who I think is in the documentary series. Uh, yeah, She mm-hmm. lost stars because she seemed to be invested in a certain outcome. And I think there right, were a few right. other um, witnesses that, you know, would say the same thing. Yeah. But what was most damning and honestly black and white to Holmes being guilty were two pieces of evidence that the jury really zeroed in on. And I think that was what ultimately led them to like slam dunk on the eight out of the 11 charges. The first mm. smoking gun mm-hmm. was a report that Theranos gave investors that Holmes altered herself to make it look like it was an endorsement from mm. Pfizer. The second was a document of financial projections given to prospective investors, including witness Lisa Peterson, who actually works for for the DeVos family. Uh, There were Mm. many false claims on that document. It projected 40 million in annual revenue from drug companies, but Theranos had no contracts. So I don't know where those projections were coming from. And during this meeting, Ms. Peterson wrote down 900 stores on her paper that she was given in that meeting. Mm. And that was in reference to Holmes saying that Theranos planned to roll out 900 Walgreens, plan to roll out their devices in 900 Walgreens pharmacies. This was problematic right. because Walgreens projected to roll out max mm. 200 stores because Theranos missed their benchmark. Mm. Ultimately, Walgreens only mm. rolled out to 41 stores at the end of the day. Right. As for the government, there were government witnesses that said Holmes showed their proprietary testing devices, but then they would take back the blood samples to their own lab to be run on conventional non-Theranos lab machines. And that's pretty much all I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, and we're still, it's, um, it hasn't come out yet what those three charges are that are up in the air, right? Because last um, I checked yesterday, and they still were like, "We're they're they're not going to disclose that." But I'm not sure if there's oh, an see. update. No, as if, to what those charges case, are about. So no, I didn't see anything today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So very likely to expect a mistrial at this point yeah. for those charges. Absolutely. That's what it's okay. looking like. One fun. This is just like a fun, weird, weird tidbit that okay. came up. I was looking up um, the recent um, 
trial events. Uh, so this was back in September when things started, when it was starting to get started yeah. in San Jose. This is, a again, an NPR news article. And um, it's titled, Concerned Citizen at Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes' Trial Turns Out to Be Family. Oh. Um, but it's like the weirdest, <laughs> weirdest thing. Uh, and I want to share with you because uh, this person actually happens to be from San Diego. So oh, like, weird. You know, like, but um, I'll read it real fast. Okay. I just thought it was really fun and bizarre. But okay, here it goes. During the first day of jury selection, so again, this is right at the start. Okay. During the first day of jury selection at the federal fraud trial of Elizabeth Holmes, an incognito San Diego (laughs) hotel magnate pulled a large Rice Krispie treat from his pocket loudly, so loudly, in fact, that the judge's voice was barely audible in the back of the courtroom over the sound of his wiggling the brick-shaped snack out of tightly wrapped plastic. My name's Hanson, said the man, wearing a baseball cap and a Patagonia puffer jacket. He was sociable and chatty, (laughs) adjectives that rarely describe people attending one of the most high-profile trials in Silicon Valley history. Um, it's a San Diego. It's him. a really fun article. I will share. I'll, we should put this in our notes because it's just like so freaking weird. <laughs> but I won't. I won't read further. But long story short, so this dude comes and he's kind of like everyone's wearing masks. You know, he's wearing a baseball cap. Sure. He's an older gentleman, but he's so eager apparently to talk to reporters. And hmm. reporters are like, "Why is this guy so chatty yeah. with us?" Does he have a connection to Elizabeth? Right. And so they kind of ask him point blank. And he's like, no, no, you know, I'm just an observer. I've never been to one of these trials in person before. Weird. So I just want to be, you know, like someone who observes this. And he's like, I fix up old cars for a living. And um, and that's pretty much it. Like, that's all he gives reporters. And so once the jury selection is over and like, you know, they come back several days later or whatever, He's dressed in a suit. He's not wearing a cap or anything. Uh. And he's actually accompanying like Elizabeth is Elizabeth's posse to Ooh. the courthouse. And it turns out he is her, I think, boyfriend. What? Yeah, I don't think they're married yet. Is he, he like is Evan her no no <laughs> boy no no I didn't complete my sentence. Oh. He is her boyfriend's father. So he's like oh. kind of like father in law. Okay. But I don't think she's married to her current boo right now. Yeah. yeah. He was just like Good very, thing. so he was like this mystery person and he was calling himself Hanson, calling himself Hanson. And all the reporters were like, who the fuck is this guy with his fucking Rice Krispie <laughs> treats? Um, but it just turns out, yeah, he is her boyfriend's father and actually so she just weird. had a baby. I didn't know yeah, that either. Yeah, it says, I, when I looked her up on Wiki, it says she has one child. Yeah, she like just delivered wow. recently like right before the trial started i think God. so i'll read a little bit more so once they unveil like who this hansen <laughs> mystery guy is and he always like can t- maintain the same story so then um someone wrote uh, da, 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 da. like when they saw him walking up with her all the reporters were like i think that's him that's the hansen guy like i, I couldn't believe my eyes that he was actually like part of her entourage right. and then it goes in indeed Hansen, quote unquote Hansen, mm. it turned out, is William Bill L. Evans, yep. the 61 year old father of Holmes's partner, Billy Evans. And here's some background on the Evanses. The Evanses are among the most prominent families in the hospitality business in San Diego. Their storied history traces back to 1953 when Bill Evans' parents, William and Anne, founded Evans Hotels. Oh. 
I don't think I've ever seen those names down here. Not. But again, I don't I don't go to hotels often. Yeah, to do. yeah, true. Sorry, um, Bill Bill now operates the company, which includes three of the toniest hotels in the city. I don't know what I'm actually what not sure what toniest means. I don't know if that's a mistype. I'm looking up toniest fashionable among wealthy or stylish people so very probably runs like very fancy boutique hotels like oh. you know not big brand names you know yeah um they do buy yeah. and then in resort hotel the catamaran so it's not called evans it's called right. something else the, right the like that's their business mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. exactly so he inherited another san diego institution from his father Evans Garage, which is a private museum and event space that houses vintage cars dating as far back as the 1880s. So when he did say, I work on like cars, he was telling the truth there, but wasn't being, you know, uh, forthright about his business. And I guess his Instagram name is called Blitzen Bill because one of the cars they they own is a Blitzen Benz, which is like, I don't know, a a nice old Benz or something. So um, that was just like a very weird uh, thing. That is Someone, I guess, one of the reporters asked him, are you a mole? <laughs> what? He goes, are you a mole? I asked him point blank. <laughs> what? And then he joked about having a mole on his bald head. Jesus. The conversation veered off course. <laughs> Dude. So he was just there to like. What a weird guy. Be, I don't know. Like, oh my God. So cause kooky. mischief. So kooky. No, I'm still it's stuck so on the Jerome Lenz, whoever is writing this article saying, describing a rice crispy bar as a brick shaped treat <laughs> I know. it sounds so dense yeah i'm like bro you don't have to describe <laughs> rice krispies like everyone know. knows what they look like <laughs> i know the brick i know they felt the need to describe the shape of the treat. Like, that is so funny his whole like, I, but, yeah. I wouldn't put it past elizabeth holmes to be like hey dress up incognito go to the back right, during the right. times when the judge is saying bad things about me rip that rice crispy on go <laughs> right right just crumple it in your hands you see him mashing a rice crispy treat yeah, yeah just go <laughs> for visual or visual effect for yeah. sound effects who who knows if he was doing this ludicrous activities on his own accord or if there was conversation like hey be a distraction or something (laughs) um i mean on some level he was a distraction but it's just a fun little side story that's so funny that's so funny yeah oh my god anyways that is anyways that is the story of elizabeth holmes and theranos it has come to an end no i was gonna say i think as you said which honestly i was naively reading her sentencing i'm like dang 20 years that's a long time but i think you're right megan Mm -hmm. she's gonna get out before that especially now especially now that she has a baby i feel like that will only work Mm -hmm. in her favor to get out earlier yeah who knows yeah it does seem unlikely that she'll get the full sentence Mm -hmm. um there's a part of me that's like you know once again it's a very high profile case and I feel like there is a trend in recent years for high profile cases to be used as, you know, to set an example yeah. for like others, like don't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh-uh. And I get that sentiment. And I think sometimes that's justified. Part of me is like, I realistically, I don't think she'll get the full 20 years, but if this is somehow used as a used as an example, like mm-hmm. the court system wants to use her as an example, they might give her like 
a significant amount. Oh, I see what you're saying. Not yeah. 20, probably less than 15, mm-hmm. you know, but still like, I don't know. A good amount 10 years to be like, to me, seems you like learn your lesson. Time. Yeah. Right, right, I right. I get that. I think so. at the same time, when I was doing this research, part of me was upset, like, upset at her. I'm mm. like, regardless of anything, you know, I mm. feel like from my research and maybe Megan, you can chime in on this too, but I felt doing you know, like listening and reading multiple avenues of her story, I felt like there Mm. were moments where this could have been stopped. Like she could have easily just taken a pause and taken a backseat and been like, okay, let's reassess. Like there were so many times where people could have come, had come to her and been like, we can make this work, but we just got to do it a little bit this way. Is that all right? Right. And the reason why it makes me upset is because she had so much potential for greatness as a woman, as an entrepreneur in the tech space, in the in the biomedical space. There's many like she she crosses many different sectors that would have been a really big triumph for women. And she would have been up there with all the other uh, big guys that we know about her idols like Michael Dell, Steve Jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And she could have been one of those people that a lot of people would look up to, especially as women. So it does right. bother me that she fell so hard so fast. Mm. Um, but, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Like, I, as you said, I think she is going to be made to be sort of like this example that of what you don't right. do, which is right. Yes. I think, yes, we do need to learn from that, but it kind of sucks that it has to be her. Yeah. But, that's yeah. just my perspective. It, it does kind of suck. Yeah, I I feel that. Like um I think that if, you know, she has the connections and the resources to have the FBI do some of her bidding <laughs> yeah. on some level, right? Like she then she has the ability to make the call to stop things from proceeding. Mm. I would like I I think to be fair Mm. i think she was pretty young when she was making all these decisions Mm -hmm. and i think that it's scary to be young and having control of investors money who put so much expectations on you like i can see how that can cause poor decision making or just being like okay well people have already put their trust in me like i'm gonna keep going you know what i mean like but yeah, like in my head, if I think about like the board of trustees going back to George Schultz, mm-hmm. who pulled in Kissinger, who mm-hmm. pulled in Murdoch, who mm-hmm. pulled in Betsy DeVos, you know, as the some of the famous names who invested in this company. I'm just like, it. yes, it would suck to go to these powerful, powerful people and be like, listen, I so appreciate you, you know, having faith in my vision and investing but right now we need to you know slow it down Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. does suck like i get that and that's probably very scary but i don't think it would have been impossible to do right you know what i'm saying so i agree with you like i do think on some level things could have been curbed and they could have like paused and done something really great down the line but i don't know i don't know what causes someone to want to like just be like steamroll ahead no so i agree i agree with you and now as you were saying that like one one last thing i wanted to say is like 
okay that's all fine and i totally understand like you make a great point mm-hmm. she was very very young and she had high hopes mm-hmm. also very high expectations put on her she probably had a lot mm-hmm. of prejudgment placed on her et cetera. Et cetera. let's right. go on so there are reasons for right. what she did what she did and maybe we can right. chalk it to she was really young and like had a lot of pressure or didn't know what to do and experience whatever mm-hmm. my question right. is now like she's what 37 now when she's doing this trial yeah I wonder yeah. like, if she had come to this trial and when she was on trial herself and was testifying for herself, if she had come with a different perspective and been like, guys, look, I am so sorry for everything that happened. Yeah. I was very right. young and I didn't know what I was doing. All the things that we just discussed, right? If she had yeah. put it in that perspective and was remorseful at this point, I think yeah. that would have made all the difference and it would have really changed everyone's perspective on her. I think, yeah. but yeah. that wasn't the case. And I wonder, Yeah, that makes me really question. I'm like, she either is very deluded and really still believes in mm. like her product and what it was, or it's ego. Right. I don't know. It's one of those two things because she's not willing to just be like, you know, yeah. admit the mistake. Yeah. So I actually, I'm going to say something that's a little bit contradictory. Sure, sure. Please do. Um, but I still, I, I agree with what you're saying. I actually do think that there were parts of the trial where she was apologetic. Mm. Like, I feel like I might have read that okay. somewhere where she did show some sort of remorse mm-hmm. or level of responsibility. But what is what happens is then she'll also put out claims where it's not taking on the full blame. Mm, okay. So that's, that's where I agree with you. I is see. that like, you know, it's one of those half apologies. It's right. one of those like, <laughs> you know, I was young. You know, I had this pressure on me and I made decisions that, I, you know, I was cloudy with those things, all that. Like, yeah, yeah. there's like an acknowledgement there. That's good. Okay. But then I know that there's another side where like, I know she put some, she, she made some claims about Sunny, which like mm-hmm. I, that's stuff that like I can't debate because like yeah. it was sexual assault claims yeah. towards Sunny, which like could have very much happened or could have not happened so it's all very like i don't know it gets but messy, yeah. i feel you like i get what you're saying yeah, yeah. i get what you're saying so yeah, yeah i agree there's that side of her that will still want to protect and defend herself which is normal mm. but yes the question is like is that stemming from ego right we don't know we don't know you know what yeah it, i think the question is has she grown right right that's, the question that's is, all is it she, is it has she grown right. yeah exactly so sum it yeah. up that's the question <laughs> but yeah we ain't i'm jury. curious to see <laughs> yeah i'm curious to see how sunny's trial goes i do we'll too. have okay. to do it that was my question yeah. Is he not having his yeah. trial simultaneously? No, his is in February. Oh, yeah. no wonder. His I is was, in February. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I was like looking for his stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's not there yet. Okay. Well, we'll have to, as you said, we'll have so to. So we will follow that. up. Mm-hmm. That'll be very yeah, interesting yeah. to see what he says. Dang. I know. Because I feel like he's even more ruthless than yeah. she is. Like God knows what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah. 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 That's one of, then, then maybe I'll have more of an opinion on the claims that she made mm-hmm. and their age dynamic. That's all true. That stuff. That's you know true. I mean? mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, all right guys, we've talked way too much, but that was the end <laughs> of the two part series on Theranos. We hope you enjoyed Woo. it. We will quickly do and did we do antidotes? Do you want to do antidotes? Yeah. Right. No, let's do it real quick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sweet into the point. Yeah. I'll go. This is Megan's <laughs> Megan speaking. Uh, I am fine. I have, 
Uh, my antidote is that I found a bomb ass steal, actually multiple steals on Craigslist yes. slash offer up. And so my place is being furnished. Love it. I am currently sitting in a mid-century modern um, lounge chair slash ottoman, but it's like that that um, caramel, mm. camel leather. Love it. Not fully Eames style, because okay. that would be dope, but that, that shit's be. so uh, expensive. Yeah, 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 But, like, it's exactly what I wanted for my space, and I'm so happy. It was only 100 bucks, Dude. and fully, like, no problems, no brokenness. It's no scuffs. Great. And then beautiful. one other brag. Okay. It's, like, yes. another brag, because this is why I'm, like, I don't thrift that often. Sure. But when I, when I do, I come across good shit. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> I found, um, I wasn't even looking for a set of plates or, um, mm-hmm. you know, flatware or sure. whatever it's called, like, you know, um, plates and bowls and yeah. stuff. I wasn't looking for that. I already have that. Mm-hmm. But I went to Goodwill and there was a whole ass set of CB2 clay Stop. plates and bowls, like um, 14 pieces total. <gasps> That's a lot. All just for twelve ninety nine. You're and freaking I was like, out of your, get out of here. Yes. That's I'm nice. Yep. Yep. I'm so I, I looked at it. I was like, I'm going to come. It's gone. Perfect. It's like super minimal. It's like, oh, I'm so oh, happy with this dope. find because I do like CB2 shit. Mm. And I'm like, that shit's so expensive yes. for me. Okay, wait. So, like, so thank you, Goodwill. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys can't see this because it's a ver- <laughs> like a, a verbal podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but I, Megan, <laughs> I'm looking at Megan right now and she's yeah. sitting in this caramel camel camel cow i can't I'll show it to you chair and it's gorgeous it's gorgeous i'll show it to you real fast are you in your living room but uh, i mean i am okay. i am my mid-century modern dreams are coming true <laughs> i know i'm um, so i realize that that's like super on trend and not very creative but it's like, i don't know mid-century modern is just a good ass look dude it's classy like who cares Oh, it's beautiful. This is the oh, chair. dude, that is gorgeous. And it's, like, slim, like, oh, and it reclines. Oh, oh my God. It's going to look so well is, with my couch. Is the ottoman mm. detachable or is it attached to the chair? It's detached. Wow, detached. Wow. So it's a separate piece. I love yeah. it, Megan. That's and it's, like, find. just so comfy. Wow. Anyway. That was an offer that's my or text. I'm asking her all these questions because I'm also moving. For sure, for sure. Dude, Craigslist. Okay. That this one was Craigslist. Okay. Um I just got a coffee table too. That one was on offer up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool, cool, cool. That sounds good. Okay, those those are good finds. Good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So <laughs> my aunt dote is man, I honestly don't have one, but I'm trying to think. What <laughs> what made okay. me smile today? I don't know. Um <laughs> What brought you joy? I think, well, okay, this is my answer. We were obviously in the Bay for like the last days or so. And mm-hmm. I honestly like really missed my parents. So I, when Aww. I came home, um, I just felt really good. Like, you know, like that feeling, actually, Dave talked about this recently. Like, you know what the feeling when you're sick mm-hmm. and you just want to mm-hmm. be around your parents because you just feel like kind of right. like taken care of and you don't have to worry about anything. It was kind of like one of those yeah. feelings. Like, I really missed them. I missed being around them that sense of like just like good security yeah but anyways so yeah. when i came back home and we're just been hanging out and stuff and then out of nowhere my mom doesn't really do this often so that's why it's a standout moment but she she like came over and like hugged me from the back and like kind of like nestled me and like kissed me she was like missed you and then just like continued on her like kitchen kitchen 
stuff. <laughs> so I was like, Dude. Oh, I miss. I'm, and I'm like having like this internal conflict because mm-hmm. I'm about to leave. And I'm like, oh, right, right. Difficult because my parents are notorious for not visiting either me or mm. my brother. So right, I'm like, I'm right. going to have to really nag them to come up. So yeah, it's struggle. Struggle yeah. Bless. Mom, my mom's that way too. <laughs> she know. doesn't come visit. I always go visit her and I'm hey, like, facts of life. But and now you know, she can't. You have to hold her to it. Now that you have your own I place. I know. Yeah. She has no excuses. Yeah. But that said, mm. that said, I think that's such a sweet interaction yeah. and that is super special. And obviously your mom knows you're leaving soon. So she's probably feeling it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. She's like, I know I don't show Harini <laughs> physical affection. Yeah. <laughs> but I should get it all in now before yeah. she leaves forever. I know. I think part of her thing yeah. is like, if I hug her enough, maybe she won't go. <laughs> Like my mom would literally it's think also like, like that, <laughs> right? It's also like your parents are finally, finally settled True. in San Diego. True. Like, for context, Puss and Pals, her dad was commuting between mm. the Bay and San Diego mm-hmm. his whole life, <laughs> like mm-hmm. since day one. <laughs> he finally retired, so it's like all the family's back right. at your house. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, you're now you're losing both kiddos it, out of the house. Totally. So and my mom's like, don't yeah. leave me alone with him. He's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> he's just running up and down the stairs just, all the time. That's all he's doing. <laughs> but uh, I, I was telling Megan this the other day. Like, I my dad is retired, and I don't know any yeah. retired person who has more jobs than when he was not retired. Like, he has two jobs, <laughs> and he has two desks in his office. He got another desk. It's like back to back with his main desk. He, and I asked him, like, why do you need a whole? another desk and he's like oh right. i i want to keep my two jobs separate <laughs> oh like, my god like, oh god i cannot i cannot right now he really has to visualize it like it has to be part of the it's a mental uh, oh it's my, a mental separation right. <laughs> that is so silly it's so silly it's so silly he's so proud of it though he's like i got my two desks. i know he is and he just flip-flops like he just rolls his rolly desk or his rolly chair from one desk to the other <laughs> that is so interesting uh, but you know my dad wow. likes to be extra his, yeah yeah his his brain fascinates me <laughs> but anyway so that's so that that. so funny okay yeah anyways that's great. that will, brings me joy that does it brings me small <laughs> silly joy but uh yeah. to take us out on this episode mm-hmm. we will finally do the don't risk it for the biscuit of 2022. Yeah. So I'm going to say don't risk it for that brick treat biscuit. <laughs> or Rice Krispies, Rice y'all. Krispies. Rice Krispies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't risk it for that brick. <laughs> for that brick biscuit. Don't risk it for that brick yeah. biscuit. Ice, if you guys ice. don't listen to the whole episode, you're not going to understand <laughs> that reference. Yeah, you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Exactly. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Love you.